I want to take a moment to recognize and dismiss our boys and girls to children in worship time. It's time for them to go. We are excited to have our children here to be able to share the word of, of God with them. Bendecimos y despedimos a los niños para el tiempo de niños en adoración. And the rest of us children are going to be opening up God's word. And as Cody said, looking at John chapter 11, I hope you have a Bible handy. Uh, that's our focus for today. Juan 11 es nuestro enfoque de hoy. And I want to remind you of these cards that we have. Every single week we have cards with next week's John reading and some key questions to help you think about it. So I hope you've had a time to do that this week, to think about John chapter 11, to read and to uh, be ready to hear some more about it. Uh, so um, I'm going to read just a portion of, of this whole chapter today. Uh, voy a leer una porción del capítulo 11 de Juan, que es nuestro enfoque. It's from chapter 11, verses 33 through 30, or through 40. 33 through 40. Capítulo 11, versículos 33 al 40. I'm going to read it in both languages that we use here. First in Spanish and then in English. Voy a leer en ambas lenguas, primero en español. And as you're finding this, whether it's on a phone or in your, uh, your Bible, I want to remind us what we have here. We have the precious good news of the gospel. We have the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Esas son las buenas noticias al Señor Jesucristo. Escuchemos juntos. Al ver llorar a María y a los discípulos que la habían acompañado, Jesús se turbó y se conmovió profundamente. ¿Dónde lo han puesto? Preguntó. Ven a verlo, Señor, le respondieron. Jesús lloró. Miren cuánto lo quería, dijeron los judíos. Pero algunos de ellos comentaban, este que le abrió los ojos al ciego no podría haber impedido que Lázaro muriera. Conmovido una vez más, Jesús se acercó al sepulcro. Era una cueva cuya entrada estaba tapada con una piedra. Quiten la piedra, ordenó Jesús. Marta, la hermana del difunto, objetó, Señor, ya debe oler mal, pues lleva cuatro días allí. ¿No te dije que si crees verás la gloria de Dios? Le contestó Jesús. When Jesus saw her, that is Mary, weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So, as Cody mentioned before at the beginning of the service, today we're coming to really a, a turning point in the Gospel of John. We're coming to a pivot, a transitional point in this uh, account of Jesus' life. Estamos en un punto de transición en Juan. And this pivot has something to do with something that I mentioned all the way back at the beginning of this series in January. On January 2, to be exact, tiene que ver con algo que mencioné el 12 de enero. And it's this, it's that when we look at the Gospel of John, its structure and its message, 
the Gospel of John in, in some ways is like the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. Juan es como Génesis, el primer libro de la Biblia. So the book of Genesis, if you don't know, the first book of the Bible tells us the story of creation. Génesis nos narra la historia de la creación. The very first verse says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Dios creó en el principio los cielos y la tierra. That's the book of Genesis. Like it, the book of John is telling us the story of new creation. Juan nos narra la historia de la nueva creación. And it starts by saying, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. En el principio existía ya el verbo, el verbo era Dios y estaba con Dios. Now the word that John is talking about there, the word that God speaks into his creation to bring about new creation is Jesus, the Son of God. Jesús es el verbo que Dios habla a la, a la creación para traer nueva creación. Jesus is that word And really, up to this point in the Gospel of John, what John's been trying to show us is how Jesus comes into the world and he presents a true word. He presents a true testimony to the new creation plan that God is fulfilling. Jesús nos da un verdadero testimonio del plan de Dios para la nueva creación. And one of the ways that John is trying to highlight this in the first 11 chapters is he structures this according to what he calls signs of Jesus. Hay señales. Now, in John's gospel, if you haven't noticed, John doesn't say Jesus does miracles. Jesus doesn't just do miracles, he does signs. Jesús no hace solo milagros, sino señales. What's the difference? Well, a sign is always going to point away from itself to something bigger. Una señal señala algo más grande. So I want to take you through this because there are seven signs in the first 11 chapters of John. Sign number one occurs in John chapter two. La primera señal está en Juan dos. And that's where Jesus miraculously turns the water to wine at the feast of, of Cana, the wedding feast. Jesús convierte el agua en vino en la fiesta de boda de Cana. Now, what's that sign pointing to? It's pointing to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah who pours out his spirit and new life upon people. Jesús vierte su nueva vida y su espíritu en las personas. That's sign one. Sign two is also in John 2. And that's when Jesus clears out the temple. He purifies the temple. La segunda señal es cuando Jesús purifica el templo en Juan 2. What is that sign all about? What's well, pointing to the fact that Jesus has come and he's going to rebuild the perfect temple. He's going to construct a perfect connecting place between God and sinners. Jesús va a construir un templo nuevo y perfecto entre Dios y pecadores. And how's he going to do that? He's going to do that by sacrificing the temple of his body by dying and rising again. Va a sacrificar el templo de su cuerpo. That's sign number two. Sign three is found in John 4. It's when Jesus heals from a distance the sixth son of a royal official. In Juan 4, Jesús sana al hijo del funcionario romano. La tercera señal. And what does that sign point to? Jesus gives life to those who take him at his word. And that's what it said the royal official did. He believed his word. 
Jesús da vida a los que creen su palabra. That's sign number three. Sign number four is in John 5. Jesus heals a paralyzed man next to the pool of Bethesda. Juan 5, Jesús sana al paralítico en, en Bethsaida. La, la cuarta señal. What is that about? It's pointing to the fact that Jesus wants to heal people. Jesus wants to make people whole, even people who aren't sure they want to be whole. Jesús quiere sanar a las personas. Sign number five is in John 6. Señal 5 está en Juan 6. Jesus, what does he do there? He feeds the multitudes, he feeds the crowds with five loaves of bread and two fish. El da de comer a la multitud con cinco panes, dos pescados. What is that about? It's pointing to the fact that Jesus is the true bread from heaven. He's the bread of life who's come down to give his body for hungry sinners. Jesús es el pan de cielo, el pan de vida que da su cuerpo para pecadores. And then, the sixth sign, la sexta señal. It's in John chapter 9. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Está en Juan 9. It's where Jesus heals this man who's been born blind. Jesús sana al cego que nació así. And what is that about? Well, showing us Jesus is the light of the world and those who follow and believe in him won't walk in the darkness. As it says, Jesús la luz del mundo, los que lo siguen no andan en tinieblas. There's six signs laid out. And it's interesting that in Genesis, what do we find? In Genesis, God creates the world in six days, six separate days. Dios crea el mundo en seis días separados. And here, through these six signs, John is showing us how Jesus is going to bring about new creation. And then it all culminates, the signs culminate here in chapter 11 with the seventh sign. Después la séptima señal en Juan 11. And it has to do with this guy named Lazarus. Se trata de Lázaro. Lazarus is a friend of Jesus. He gets sick. Not just a little sick, very sick, deathly sick. Está enfermo Lázaro, hasta el punto de muerte. And even though it says here Jesus loves Lazarus, he loves his sisters Mary and Martha, they're in Bethany near Jerusalem, and Jesus is not, even though he loves them, for two days he goes nowhere. Aunque Jesús quiere a Lázaro y sus hermanas, él no se va. For two days he does nothing, so to speak. He does not move. No se mueve para nada. And the question, of course, that comes to us as we read this story is, why? Why does Jesus wait? ¿Por qué espera? Could it be that Jesus is afraid of dying? A lo mejor tiene miedo de morir. After all, if you've been paying attention twice now, up to this point, the Jewish leaders have threatened to stone Jesus. They've threatened to kill him twice. Dos veces han amenazado con apedrearlo. In chapter 8, Verse 59, if you look it up, chapter 10, verse 31, twice, they have tried to stone Jesus. Dos veces, 8.59, So is Jesus afraid? The disciples are certainly afraid. They seem to be afraid about that. In fact, the bravest of them is named Thomas. He, he when Jesus finally does decide to go, he says, well, let's go and die with him. You know, that's pretty courageous. But the disciples are definitely afraid of dying. Los discípulos tienen miedo. Tomás hasta dice, vamos para que muramos con él. Is it that? Well, not exactly. There's something else going on here. And we get a clue in chapter 11, verse 4. Miremos 
It says, when he heard this, when Jesus heard Lazarus was sick, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Dijo Jesús, esta enfermedad no terminará en muerte, sino que es para la gloria de Dios, para que por ella el Hijo de Dios sea glorificado. Jesus waits because he is looking for the right time. Jesús está buscando el momento oportuno. We've already seen this before. I don't know if you remember, but back in chapter 7, Jesus did not go to the Feast of Tabernacles right away. Jesús no fue a la fiesta de los tabernáculos en capítulo 7. No fue hasta el momento oportuno. Why? Because he was waiting for the right time to make a point. And here it would seem Jesus is waiting for the right time so that he can show the glory of God, so that he can manifest to everyone who he really is. Jesús está buscando el momento oportuno para manifestar la gloria de Dios. And that right time, oddly enough, doesn't come until four days after Lazarus is dead. El momento oportuno es hasta cuatro días después de la muerte de Lázaro. Now on reading this, you might say, well, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, most certainly, to Martha. No tiene sentido para Martha in chapter 11, verse 21. When Jesus finally comes, four days after Lazarus is dead, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And 11, 21 dice, Señor, si hubieras estado aquí, mi hermano no habría muerto. It doesn't make sense to her. No le tiene sentido a Martha. It doesn't make sense for Mary either. Her sister, chapter 1132, 11, Maria tampoco tiene sentido para ella. When she sees Jesus arrive on the scene, what does she say? You think these two ladies are sisters? They say the same thing. She says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Señor, si hubieras estado aquí, dice Maria, mi hermano, no habría muerto. Doesn't make sense to them. It doesn't make sense to the disciples. It doesn't make sense to the Jewish friends around them. But we need to understand this. It makes perfect sense to Jesus. Si tiene sentido para Jesús. It makes perfect sense to him. In fact, if we read between the lines here, beginning in chapter 11, verse 23, we can almost see that what Jesus is saying when he meets up with Martha, he's making the point, actually, I'm not late. If anything, I'm early. El punto de Jesús es, no estoy tarde, más bien estoy temprano. He says to Martha, your brother will rise again. Tu hermano resucitará, le dice a Marta Jesús. And Martha answers and says, I, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Yo sé que resucitará en la resurrección en el día final, respondió Marta. And then Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Yo soy la resurrección, la vida, el que cree en mí vivirá aunque muera y todo el que vive y cree en mí no morirá jamás. And in other words, we got to understand the, the, kind of the, the mindset here. As a good Jew, Martha was one who understood that that there would be a resurrection someday. Marta comprendía que habría una resurrección, but it wouldn't be until the very last day. 
The Jews believed that there would be a resurrection of God's people on the very last day, the last chapter of human history. Creían que habría una resurrección al día final. But Jesus here is saying something else. He's saying, no, 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 no. I'm moving up the timetable, folks. I'm changing the schedule. Estoy cambiando el horario. Resurrection life is not just going to be someday. At the end of it all, I'm here. Resurrection is here and now because I am the resurrection and the life. La resurrección viene aquí y ahora. Jesus is moving up the schedule. Jesús adelanta el horario. And it's interesting to note how he does that. Twice here in verses 33 and 38, we see something that I think is worth noting. Vemos algo en 33 y 38 para notar. Two times. In 33, it says, when Jesus saw Mary and the other Jews weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Dice en 33, cuando vio a María y los otros, se turbó y se conmovió profundamente. He was deeply moved in spirit. And then if you go down to verse 38, what does it say? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. Conmovido una vez más, Jesús se acercó al sepulcro. Twice. Twice it says that Jesus was deeply moved. What is going on there? Dos veces dice se conmovió profundamente. Now, it might be natural for us, at least this is where I've tended to read this, to think that Jesus was deeply moved by sadness, right? It says in verse 35, the shortest verse of the Bible, Jesus wept. It would make sense. He was moved by sadness. He was moved by grace, uh, by grief. Tiene sentido que fuera conmovido por la tristeza, por el luto, porque lloraba. But actually, if we understand this word in the original uh, uh, language of the Bible, in the Greek language, the word deeply moved doesn't have that sense to it. La palabra se conmovió en el griego, en el original, no tiene ese sentido. I had to do some digging on this because I don't speak Greek, but I did some digging. And the word for deeply moved doesn't necessarily mean to be moved by sadness. The, the word has this Strange meaning, literally the word means to snort with indignation. Significa resoplar con indignación. Literally it means to snort like a horse. Okay, so get that picture. Es como resoplar o soltar un bufido como un caballo. It's this idea not of being moved by sadness, but it's of being moved with disgust. Anger. Jesus in some way is deeply moved because he is upset. He is indignant. Está indignado Jesús, disgustado. He is sick and tired of death running over his friends. Está harto de que la muerte atropelle a sus amigos. So he's deeply moved. 
I can't help it, but there's this scene from, from a, a classic movie that some of you may be seen. It's called A Christmas Story. Any of you seen The Christmas Story? Estoy pensando en, este, en esta parte de una película muy clásica. There's this little boy, Ralphie, right? And every day, Ralphie's going to school and coming from school, and there's this bully chasing him every single day. Hay un bully que acusa a Ralphie y sus amigos, and one day, the bully catches up with him, and he punches Ralphie in the face. Le da una bofetada. He falls to the ground, And there's poor Ralphie, right? Helpless. And he's crying. And his nose is bleeding. And his glasses are in the snow. And he's just, he, he's just undone. Ralphie está llorando con, con su nariz, sangrando con lágrimas. Sus lentes están en la nieve. And what's the bully doing? He's prancing about. He's laughing. And he's mocking him. Se bula el bully de él. Ah, cry, baby, cry, baby. What's wrong with you, man? ¿Qué tienes, bebé? And he's mocking him. And if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Something inside of Ralphie flips. Algo le cambia a Ralphie. He is deeply moved. Okay? Está conmovido profundamente. He's sick and tired of being pushed around by this bully. And so almost literally he snorts. Ha! And he gets up and he proceeds to start pummeling that bully. He pummels his face to a bloody pulp, swearing as he goes. And he's really upset. <laughs> Empieza a dar bofetadas al bully. That's the picture I've got in my mind here when it says, when John says that Jesus is deeply moved. Está conmovido eso. And so when Jesus rolls up his sleeves, it's almost like he's preparing to punch that bully death right in the nose. Está preparándose para dar una bofetada a la muerte. Father, I thank you for hearing me. Gracias, Padre, por oírme. I know you always do, but I'm saying this so that the other people around me know that you hear me. Sé que me oyes, pero lo digo para que los otros oigan eso. And then in verse 43, It says, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Y después dice, dicho eso, gritó con toda su fuerza, Lázaro, sal fuera. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. El muerto salió con vendas en las manos, en los pies y el rostro cubierto con un sudario. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Quítenle las vendas y dejen que se vaya. And the question is, what really moves Jesus here? What moves him? ¿Qué le conmueve a Jesús? Jesus is moved by a profound desire to glorify his father. Right? Yes, definitely. Está conmovido por deseo glorificar a su padre. Por cierto, he's moved by the desire to do that at just the right time. Most definitely, he moved at the right time. Está conmovido por el deseo de hacerlo justo en el tiempo apropiado. Jesus is moved by the call to 
to show forth God's new creation. This is what the new creation is going to be like. Está conmovido para mostrar la nueva creación de Dios. He's certainly moved by all of that without a doubt. But we can also say that as a God who is man, the God-man, Jesus is moved by his compassion, by his love for sinners who are being turned into stone by this terrible bully called death. Está conmovido por su compasión por pecadores que están apedreados o hechos piedra por la muerte. So Jesus, because he's deeply moved, moves. And he calls Lazarus out. And Lazarus is moved. Lazarus is moved to step out. Alive again. Está conmovido Lazarus. And then Jesus says, take off that stuff that's wrapped around him. Quítenle las vendas. As I read this, the question that comes to my mind is the question I want to put before all of us. The question is, what moves you? What moves me? ¿Qué nos conmueve? What moves you and me? John's answer to that question is, it has to be Jesus. Tiene que ser Jesús, según Juan. Has to be Jesus. Because you see, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He is the one who has been deeply moved to call dead sinners out of their lifeless existence into life, into new creation. Jesús la resurrección y vida que llama a los pecadores de la muerte a la nueva creación. That's who he is. And as Cody said, he's right on target. Everything now from John 12 on is going to be about Jesus moving towards the goal that the Father has given him. Ahora Jesús está conmovido para seguir esa meta. Jesus is going to be moved from chapter 11 on towards the events that bring about new creation. He's going to be moved to the cross to die. He's going to be moved to spend that time in the grave. He's going to be moved to come out and there will be the empty tomb of Easter morning. Jesús va a estar conmovido para ir a la cruz, al sepulcro, a la tumba vacía. He's going to be moved to do that. And now it's not about signs. The rest of John is not about signs. It's about the reality that all of the signs have been pointing to. Ahora estamos mirando la realidad. And Jesus is not just going to go to the cross to punch death in the nose. He's going to the cross and he's going to come forth from the empty grave to deliver a knockout blow to that terrible bully death for sinners like you and me. Él va a dar el golpe, el estacado a la muerte. And what Jesus has done for Lazarus is a sign for you and me that this is what he can do for us today. Not just someday, not just someday after I die, but today, 
resurrection life can begin in some way for each one of us here and now. I know it's the first Sunday of Lent and I'm preaching Easter, but that's the truth. It can begin today. La resurrección comienza hoy. The question is, are we moved? Where might you and I be stuck today and wrapped up in the dead things that bind us? ¿Dónde estamos envueltos en las cosas muertas que nos atan? Where do you and I need to unwrap some dead stuff from our lives? Where might you need to unwrap a dead habit? Where might you be wrapped up in dead thoughts, dead attitudes? ¿Dónde estás envuelto de actitudes y vicios muertos? Where are you wrapped up in dead resentments, dead idolatries, dead fears? ¿Dónde estás en idolatrías y miedos muertos? Where are you wrapped up in dead grief, dead hatred, dead pride? Where? ¿Dónde estás en orgullo muerto? Avaricia muerta. Where are those things wrapping you up? Maybe you're in a relationship that you think is dead. Jesus is calling your name. Jesús llama tu nombre. Russ, come out. Tony, come out. Fill in the blank. Come out of that. Come out of that stuff. Come forth. Sal fuera. Take off that stuff. You say, I, I don't know if I want to take it off. I kind of like it. I like the dead stuff. I like the dead porn. I like the, the dead addictions. I like the dead screen time. Whatever it is. Me gusta esas cosas muertas. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter. Because the truth is, you're not the change. You're not the resurrection in the life. Tú no eres el cambio, la resurrección en la vida. Jesus is the change. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he's calling your name. The question is not whether you want to come out or not. The question is, can you hear him? Lo puedes oír. Look at John 5:25. Juan 5:25. I tell you the truth. A time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Ciertamente les aseguro que ya viene la hora y ha llegado ya en que los muertos oirán la voz del Hijo de Dios y los que la oigan vivirán. When Jesus says, I tell you the truth, we need to listen. Can you hear him? Can you hear Jesus calling you to move, to surrender, to strip off the stuff that's been stinking around your life for way too long and to walk in a new life? ¿Puedes oír que Jesús te, te llame a rendirte y desenvolverte de esas cosas? If you can hear Jesus today, I just want to extend an invitation that's really not my invitation, it's his invitation. Come out. Stand up. 
Embrace Jesus Christ as your savior, as your Lord, as your leader, as your resurrection, and as your life. Abraza al Señor Jesucristo como tu vida, tu resurrección, tu, tu, tu salvador, tu Señor. Be deeply moved. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Jesus is calling. And with that, I just want to say, if you want to stand up right now, go ahead and stand up. If there's something you want to unwrap in your life, stand up. Go ahead and stand up. In fact, I'm going to invite our worship team to stand up and come up front. We're going to sing a song that really speaks to this. Voy a invitar al equipo para que podamos cantar una canción. As the worship team is standing up and we're going to stand to sing, we're going to have people around the worship center to pray. And if there's something that you need help praying about and asking Jesus to unwrap from your life, to take away, to help you deal with it, the dead stuff, we have people that are going to be ready to pray with you here in just a moment or two. But, but the first step is for you to hear and to come out. So let's sing that together. I invite you to stand. Vamos a ponernos de pie.